welcome to episode 30 of Roll the Credits Podcast with Aaron and Brian. On this week's episode, as usual, we'll be bringing you guys some news of the week, um, as well as some reviews for Dumbo, which we went and saw on Thursday night, and also I went to see the Beach Bum on yesterday, actually Saturday. Um, I guess that would be two days from when everyone's hearing this. Um. And I can't wait to rant on that, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, and then at the end of the episode, our top 10 for the week. Um, didn't really know what to do this time. Uh, I don't think I can necessarily formulate a full Disney top 10 um, based on Disney originals. So we're going to do top Lame. 10. Fa- <laughs> Shut up, Brian. Uh, top 10 favorite movie scenes of all time, uh, which I'm kind of excited about. Uh, I mean, I went back through and, you know, rewatched a lot of YouTube videos to, to try and yeah. craft this list. And I, I'm I'm pretty with it. I'm, I'm pretty excited to bring that to you. Uh, Brian, how's your week been going? Pretty good. Pretty good. You know, kind of the same as every other week. Got it out to the movies. Aside from that, it's been a normal week. True, true. We had a opening day for baseball. Very excited about that. Yeah. Um, Orioles one and one, you know, on our way to 82 wins or 81 wins, there I should say. It's a great uh, <laughs> if they hit 81 wins this year, I'd, I'll eat a sock. Like, <laughs> Oh, and, you you guys heard that here. Yes. Well, I'll, I'm going to hold you to that. This is also the second time in my lifetime I have made that bet um, about eating the sock. <laughs> the other one is if when Drew Brees retires and Taysom Hill is the starting quarterback for the Saints for full 16-game slate. Um, that will also not happen. So I'm pretty confident uh, in, my, in, in these bets. Um, March Madness, obviously, is going on, which yesterday Saturday's games uh, – we're incredible waiting to see how Sundays go. Uh, really need a Michigan state win over Duke today. I'm sorry, Brian, but it, I, I need it. Um, yeah, well. for the fate of my money. Uh, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, it's been a good week. Got to the movies. Um, and like I said, you know, I'll get to the beach bum review later, but that movie really pissed me off. <laughs> I don't know why I went to go see it. <laughs> um, so yeah, anyway, we'll get right into it. Uh, the biggest news of the week, Angelina Jolie is in talks to star in Marvel's The Eternals, which we've discussed on the podcast maybe once or twice before. Um, the role is officially unconfirmed. However, it's likely she'll be uh, playing Siri or Cersei, I should say. Um, again, I don't know a ton about The Eternals. I know they're like godlike creatures. Um, Thanos is technically one, um, uh, an Eternal from Titan. Um I know you don't really like yeah. you don't really care um, about Jolie. Yeah, I'm not a big I, and that's the fan. thing. I mean, I'm not either, um, but I do think this is big because I think this is something that Marvel needs to have um, a big name for. Um, I mentioned before that once we get past Endgame here and, and we transition into this new not really phase because those are smaller and stuff, but um, this new chapter, I guess, with marvel's cinematic universe and we start getting to these lesser known um items like the eternals a lot like guardians of the galaxy you know nobody really knew a whole lot going into those and people loved them but they they got star power for for guardians with chris pratt and and several of the other actors in that um and i think that's what they need for the eternals so getting jolie uh on board i'm with you i'm not a huge fan of a lot of her work um 
and she also yeah, hasn't yeah. really acted in a lot of stuff in recent uh, years. But it's true. Um, yeah, I think it is big for Marvel to to get a big name out in front, especially for what is supposedly going to be a lead character with that group. So, yeah, it's it's funny because when we when we saw this announcement, I was like. I was looking through then her filmography and last stuff, and yeah, she hasn't been in much stuff recently. But then I was looking back; it's been a while since she's had a like an above average movie. But like, she still has like like the name Angelina Jolie is a huge name. So like like you said, that's a great get for Marvel if she yeah. is official for it. I so. mean, she's a lot. She's like a lot of actors and actresses out there that. Um, I mean, Tom Cruise is one, uh, Brad Pitt, like, a, like there's actors and actresses out there that, that do a lot of, they, they make a lot of money off these, these big time movies that sell. And I think that's kind of what projects that out, um, and makes you kind of go, well, Angelina Jolie, that's a big name. Got to go see this movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah. even when she's not in the spotlight of a lot of things, you know, um, She's still selling tickets. I mean, the Tomb Raider series uh, wasn't great, but I cool. mean, they they sold, um, and that's kind of how it is. So, yeah, uh, we'll end up seeing what ends up happening with that, um, and who else gets ends up getting cast in that as we move forward. But definitely a big get for Marvel as they head into their next chapter. Um, I mean, obviously, we're gonna have more Black Panther, another Guardians, Black Widow, but they will start to get to these. Uh, these other uh casts as we move past the avengers uh timeline um also speaking of avengers though um endgame fates we got 32 i believe new posters individuals for characters yep. um this past week 16 perfectly perfectly even 16 alive 16 dead um based on the color of the picture if it was black and white they passed away in the thanos snap and if they were colored a colored picture then you know then uh they were alive so we found out that shuri has faded in thanos snap uh, but valkyrie lives uh and those are two of the big ones that everybody was very curious about um because yeah. i mean at the end of the movie uh, it's hard to transition around uh you know 100 characters to figure yeah. out whether they died or lived um but yeah. we now have those fates <laughs> and it... i still don't know is korg alive or dead <laughs> yo exactly like that's the answer we want this Korg. Like, he was right there with valkyrie so i mean like you can give us the answer on valkyrie but not like Korg? that was Come the on. thing like when these posters were all like i had gotten to lunch that day uh, i forget which day it was monday or tuesday or something like that yeah. and i'm sitting there going through it and i like they're releasing like another one every like couple minutes and i'm like oh, i was like oh, they're, saying, oh, they're Korg, saving Korg, Korg for last Korg, Korg. and i went back to work i came home i was like well let me go find this cord poster nope um and i get it i mean there's like i said there you know there's a hundred some characters that they're trying to fit in there i mean for some reason we have uh happy hogan or whatever his name is um yeah and uh, stuff like that uh i like pepper pots i, I don't care about these like give me cork i, no, I just want to know cord. if cork is alive yeah. or dead um but yeah <laughs> it was real <laughs> it was really funny too when they, you know, saw us and people realized that Shuri was faded, like, people were upset on Twitter. It was, like, really funny because they're like, she's a great character. Why did we not see this in the movie if she was one that faded away? Why did all this? And why are we just now finding this out? Why did she get cut off? It was hilarious. When the other thing was, all. like, wasn't she, like, not on? Was she on the battlefield for that? 
I feel like I've, if I remember yeah, correctly, she was, she was with um, drawing a blank on the name. She was with Vision up and trying to remove the Mind Stone from him, and then one of Thanos's henchmen or whatever comes in into there. Yeah, because she was she was. Up, I'm pretty sure she's yeah, in the building. She was the up whole with time. Martin Freeman's character. Um, and and we really yeah, only uh, saw the people on the battlefield, whether they you know dusted away or not, and then outside of you yeah. know. Um, that the post credit scenes and stuff and the mid credits and whatever. Um, that's true. That's so, I mean, true. that's why we didn't end up seeing Shuri or Valkyrie or Korg or, or whoever, like whether they passed or not. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is, at least we, we have some clarification. We better get an answer on Korg in this movie. Like I hope Korg is in this movie. And if he's not in this movie, they better be like, Oh, he died or something. There, there has to be some type of mention of Korg. And the thing I, I, it's hard to say because I know that going through on IMDb, Taika Waititi is not listed on there. But I know for the longest time that neither was Tessa Thompson, so there was a lot of uncertainty. Like they've kind of yeah. kept that uh, stuff very close to the vest. On, on anybody stuff. can edit IMDb. Really? Yeah, I mean it has to, you know, like not be absurd. But I mean, as long as it's not some like stupid absurd thing, those anything can go be on IMDb. Oh, I didn't know you could edit. I thought that was up to the studios. I didn't know you were allowed to edit casts. I'm going to go do that after. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> go on, Corey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, we'll move past that. Joel Cohen going solo for his next film. Um, as used to saying the Cohen brothers, as we are, he will go separate um, to direct a Macbeth movie um, starring Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand. Uh, what an interesting group here. Uh, yeah. There's no mention whether this will, you know, take place in, you know, the the actual time of Macbeth or whatever in Scotland, or if it's going to be what I would assume will be a more like a present day one, present or... day take on it. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, Francis McDormand set to play Lady Macbeth, uh, Denzel Washington set to play Macbeth. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a <laughs> cast. I mean, it's a Cohen singular cohen cohen brothers it doesn't matter i mean i'm in for it uh, i love the way they direct things and, and two very uh, mega stars really i guess um i mean yeah. mcdormand not as much but she is very acclaimed as an actress um so i mean denzel you know his name by yeah, just I denzel mean, it's, i mean he's iconic there's that. I mean, it is what it is um and i wouldn't be surprised if uh ethan cohen has some type of you know, behind the scenes role, whether or not, why he's not directing, I would be surprised if he helped well, write it with his brother or something. No, because what I, I did read on this is that this is him, Joel Cohen, going separate. Um, the Cohen brothers' movies oh. aren't necessarily both them directing. Um, a lot of it is like they both take uh, a directing credit for it, but a lot of the times, like they kind of have different um, scenes. I was reading something about The Big Lebowski and, and from Jeff Bridges when doing. Uh, non-spoiler because it's not on my list but doing some research for the top 10 favorite movie scenes um about how like they kind of do you know different things for the movie uh they're not necessarily there together directing um i don't know if that's the same way like the russo brothers do it or, or whatever but um yeah uh just kind of an inter interesting tidbit there um if you're into british war dramas sam mendez has a new movie coming out uh I do not know when it wasn't clarified, but it is entitled 1917. Um, this past week we got three big editions, four big editions, actually 
um, in Benedict Cumberbatch, Mark Strong, Richard Madden, and Colin Firth are all joining the cast for 1917. Um, and the story will center around a singular day for two young soldiers played by George Mc- uh, George McKay, I believe it is, and Dean Charles Chapman. I do not know who those are, but uh, yeah. Um, but interesting. Uh, I mean, I'll probably watch it. Uh, I like a good war movie, um, and we'll yeah. see what ends up happening with that. Um, if you're into this new random, you know, let's do musical biopics. Got great news for you. Um, <laughs> Baz Luhrmann is doing a Elvis biopic and Tom Hanks has officially joined the co-star. Um, and he will be playing Colonel Tom Parker. Uh, Baz Luhrmann's original choice, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, they're, they weren't, or uh, were not able to come to terms on that. Um, DiCaprio had, also worked with him on the Romeo and Juliet uh, movie from many moons ago. Um, and also film, yeah. the incredible Great Gatsby film from 2013 that not That's as many good. people love uh, like I do. Uh, <laughs> Elvis well, has... I mean, well, you're slightly biased with your love for Leo. So I mean... I mean, I thought it was a really good movie. I was generally surprised the first time I saw it and then I saw the reviews for it and they were kind of meh. I was like, oh, well. Uh, anyway, uh, but Elvis has not yet been cast, so we'll have that news for you whenever that ends up happening. But Tom Hanks, good alternative yeah. to Leo, probably and... maybe the second best actor of this generation. Um, so, I mean, yeah. I guess you go from one to two, you just go down the line. That's a good way to do it. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm really curious to see who will be Elvis. Then. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I've never really been a big fan of Elvis. Uh, I could not tell you much about him or his life so i'll be interested to see how this comes um obviously we have you know rocket man coming out in late may i believe it is yep uh we have (laughs) bohemian rhapsody which really kind of i guess set this off i mean making so much money getting awards acclaimed so expect more uh in the future in terms of musical biopics yeah uh uh, yeah oh yeah we can't forget the dirt which i still haven't seen yet but the the motley crew uh forgot about netflix film um for scooby-doo fans uh great news we officially have the cast for the upcoming scooby-doo uh animated movie they are not going live action like a lot of um movies nowadays are the title of the movie is scoob which (laughs) what the hell oh (laughs) <laughs> that's what you came up with for the title like you were just like scoob what, what should we name it scoob. Not even scooby like his yeah like... yeah i <laughs> this is already a shit show uh but it, i guess the premise is they're trying to make like a hanna barbera like kind of universe type thing um zach efron is going to be voicing fred amanda seafried is daphne gina rodriguez will be velma will forte will play shaggy our voice Shaggy, uh, Frank Welker is back to do Scooby Doo, and Tracy Morgan is on to voice Captain Caveman. Um, Dick Dastardly from the Wacky Races or something like that. Um, I don't really know my Hanna Barbera uh, cartoons. Oh. I apologize. Um, is set to be the villain in the film. Uh, it looks as though it's not going to be your typical Scooby Doo. You know remove the monster mask and there's a bad guy um routine uh, uh and captain caveman another hanna barbera con- uh con- cartoon apologies there you go uh 
I don't know what to think of this. I the name just is. I don't know if that makes me want to see it more because it's really weird <laughs> that they just <laughs> cut off the Y. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, the thing that interests me is that yeah, I heard as well that it's supposed to almost be like drawing in other characters from within the Hanna Barbera, you know, namesakes and universe and stuff. So like, we could get stuff like tom and jerry in here the jets well and that's like i i think that's what they're like we have the tom and jerry movie coming out um and i'm curious whether that's going to be you know within that that's supposed to be live action though i i don't until i actually see photos i don't know what any of these are going to end up being to be completely <laughs> honest with you. i don't know it's it has my interest you know that's a it's a decent voice cast so i mean yeah it's not, i mean it's not horrible but <laughs> i don't know uh, we'll we'll see yeah, I we'll mean, see. yeah, I I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Dick Dastardly is yet to be <laughs> cast, uh, and we'll, I guess, have that news whenever that happens. So um, that's all I've got for news for the week. Brian, you got anything you want to share with everyone? Yeah, I got a couple pieces for you. Uh, the beginning of the week, uh, one note on the like TV side, Apple TV announced they're coming out the, or Apple announced they're coming out the streaming service called Apple TV Plus. It's great, you know. We all need another streaming service in our lives. I so completely on. forgot about that one. Writing this list down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because well, the thing that's so big is that like there's some huge names that are part of this, either on like the production and directing side or like stars in it. Just some names that list off. Um, you got Steven Spielberg. Oh my gosh, Steven Spielberg. Reese there's your one for the episode. Jeff Ennis. There we go. Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, Steve Carell, Oprah. Um, you got some Sesame Street characters in there: Haley Seinfeld, J.J. Abrams, uh, Kamal Nanjiani, um, Jason Momoa, and Chris Evans, Octavia Spencer. It's just like these are some big names for this streaming service that we don't really have many details on, other than it's later this year is when it's coming out. I think they said the fall, but like all these shows are in the works, like. That's impressive. Like I, I hope it's cheap. I don't want to have like to get I said, another streaming like, service. I use Apple Music, and I'm really kind of hoping that they have some like pair together thing where not necessarily you know for the nine ninety nine or whatever I pay for Apple Music, but um, you know both of them together for like fifteen bucks or, or something like that. Where like if you have both of them, you can save because that'd be very beneficial to my wallet. Uh, I already have FOMO yeah. from like literally everything. I don't have time to watch. Um, so uh, now yeah. we have this and Disney uh, coming out with streaming services. Obviously I just got Hulu when they knocked the price down, which I'm enjoying. Uh, I have zero plans to really cut Netflix based on at least yeah. until stranger things and like Mindhunter get canceled, but uh, or just stop. But um yeah, I. It's one of those things that it's gonna. It's coming from my wallet, man. It is. Uh, it is. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll see more details on it. I don't want to. It's no streaming service, and you know, we'll just miss out on or get more things. Um, let's see. Apparently, uh, Jack Courtney is returning for the Suicide Squad, reprising his role of Captain oh my Boomerang. God. <laughs> why <laughs> he i don't know which is interesting because you know it's supposedly a reboot it's not a sequel at all um 
but yeah, he said in an interview this week, he's like, oh yeah, I am a part of it. You know, we start filming in a couple of months and uh, there's not much else I can say, but I'll be in it. I mean, and that's fine. Um, well, not really, but it's, I mean, I don't necessarily have a problem with them. Like bring like, as it's just hard to do in my opinion, because this, there's not like a decade in between where you could be like, Oh, I forgot that that character, like yeah, it t- it's going to feel like, like if you're bringing back more than just Harley Quinn, that and dead shot with a, a new actor, um, it's going to feel less like that and more of a sequel than a reboot. Um, plus it, that's a largely forgettable character. Like no, when I think yeah. suicide squad, I think Harley Quinn, weird ass Joker from Leto and, um, <laughs> and Deadshot. Oh. Um, in reality, um, whatever, uh, maybe, maybe, I don't yeah, know. I don't maybe know. with James Gunn going back to Marvel, he's just like, screw it. I just want to get this done. Hire everyone back. <laughs> let's, let's just shoot it in five days and send it, send it to Warner brothers. Yeah. Uh, it's not a reboot anymore. It is actually a sequel. You know, we're just going to bring back half the characters so we can get this over with. Um, last little bit. Uh, Taika Waititi is joining a uh, Ryan Reynolds movie, uh, free guy, which is about, uh, Ryan Reynolds stars as a character named guy who is a bank teller that bank teller who discovers he is actually living inside of a video game. Oh my god. Is McConaughey on this movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, he is not. Not yet, at oh, least. Um, I, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> it's uh directed by Sean Levy. Um who I don't have his previous stuff written down, but I mean I do recognize the name. Uh but yeah, so Ryan Reynolds is a star. Taika Watiti is signed joined on for it. Also involved in it is uh Joe Carey from Stranger Things. Um, Little Rail, Howry, and uh, Jodie Comer, who's more recently famous from Killing Eve, the TV show. I don't know. I mean, I would love to see Brian Reynolds and Taika Waititi kind of go back and forth because they're both hilarious. <laughs> That's I the mean... thing that I enjoy, but like I read that th- <laughs> I read this story this morning, and as soon as I saw the video game part, I just had bad flashbacks to Serenity. Like <laughs> you, can't, you can't tell me that's the like uh, that premise is off limits for three years before I will I, at least I saw stop thinking about that. One of the articles read about it. Someone's like, so it's basically a live action Wreck It Ralph. Like they're like it's a video game character who realizes he's a video game character and tries to stop his game from being shut down like okay i mean yeah i'm very much i taika waititi and ryan reynolds can have my money um yeah so yeah i will definitely see it but yeah i mean i just gave me really bad flashbacks (laughs) (laughs) oh wow yeah i mean yeah i don't know it was scheduled it's set uh for july 2020 release date so I'm assuming we'll we'll get more details about that. So, right, that's that's about it for the news this week. Alrighty, uh, we are gonna get into our reviews, but in just a second. Uh, first, we are gonna send it over for an ad break. Alrighty, Brian. Uh, so as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, we went and saw Dumbo on Thursday night. Um, 
And I'm gonna just send it right over to you to give us <laughs> your opinion on this. Yeah, it on it was unsurprisingly mediocre. I mean, I didn't really have any high hopes going into this. I it I settled on I was bouncing back and forth between a sixty and a fifty five, um, and ended up settling on a fifty five because like there there really wasn't much stuff that like I overly enjoyed in this movie. You know, we mentioned before one of the main reasons that we would be seeing this movie is because of the cast, like Michael Keaton and Danny DeVito. Guys, Michael Keaton had the worst acting acting in this movie. It was sad to see, but it was not good. The movie as a whole was just it. Dumbo, the actual character Dumbo, and the making this the animated live action elephant or whatever looked really good. And the few scenes, you know, where he was like flying in a circus stuff were like really like good scenes and like were enjoyable. But there wasn't a lot of that in the movie. Like there was just too much other stuff in the movie that just that weighed it down. Then uh, I forgot which we had mentioned. Uh, Alan Arkin in this is in this movie and. At the end of it, I realized it's just Alan Arkin playing Alan Arkin because his last line of the movie is there's like a fire in the background. It's like, eh, want to go get a hot dog? And it says a Danny DeVito's character, and it it made me laugh. And it's the only good acting really in this movie. I mean, one of the things I found more enjoyable than this movie was actually the the family that was sitting behind us at the movies. There was this couple with they had this daughter. I don't know. She was, probably wasn't older than five. First, they probably hadn't been to the movies in a long time because they were really upset that there was 20 minutes of previews before the movie, which was really funny to hear them say this. Um, you could, I, the mom was right behind me, and she was furious. Like They almost like left to go to a different showing because they thought it was a fluke that there was 20 minutes of trailers. To give it, one of the trailers I was shown was... Um, Hobbs and Shaw, which doesn't fit with Dumbo at all, so they're angry about that. 25 minutes into the movie, they left. And I was like, oh, I guess they weren't really like it. Half an hour later, they come back. I was like, oh, they convinced themselves to come back, I guess. Whatever. Or maybe they had the daughter in the bathroom or some type of emergency. But then 15 minutes later, after a kind of crude comment by Michael Keaton's character, they are, I just heard the mom go, nope time for bedtime and just picked up the girl and they left i had a i laugh at that i got a kick out of it um so i I was more entertained by that than the actual movie which says something but um yeah i don't really think this is a movie you need to see in theaters you know if you like disney classic stuff when you wait to rent it but it's not that great of a movie it's yeah, I've said this before. I'm not a big uh, Tim Burton fan, and this is all Tim Burton has his kind of dark, odd take on it. So, yeah, you don't need to go see this in movies. Okay, well, now that Brian's done dissecting what the people behind us in the theater were doing and giving the play-by-play for that, um, you're welcome. Anyway, yeah, the movie's perfect. Um, perfectly mediocre. Um, <laughs> I gave it a 50. It is literally as average of a movie as you can get. Um, nothing about it will really resonate with me. Uh, I don't hate it. I don't dislike it. I don't like it, and nor do I love it. Um, it <laughs> It's very bleh, meh, uh, bland. Um, 
every every part of the movie is that way um outside of like you know they made dumbo look pretty good um but literally outside of that everything else is not great um as you mentioned you know alan arkin's 10 lines are probably the only like real laughter um they you know apparently couldn't find uh, an actual southern actor to play the colin farrell's character so they went and got an irish dude um (laughs) (laughs) which wasn't the worst southern accent i've heard this week and i'll get to that shortly but um (laughs) uh (laughs) the movie itself is just yeah i mean it there's not a whole lot i can say like you said you know i'm not really a big tim burton fan um in general um but I went into it with hopes that like maybe I know when we sat there, you said 50 to 70 range. I said it would probably fall anywhere from 40 to a 60 um, based on previews. Obviously, that doesn't mean that that's where it's going to fall all the time, but um, kind of gives you a base range on what you're expecting. Uh, and it fell right in the middle of that for me. Um, it's, you know, like you mentioned, like I, we are a very we are a Michael Keaton podcast here. Love him. He was not good. He was not good. He was not given a good character to play. Uh, this is not on Keaton. I blame, you know, whoever's telling him to take these parts. Um, go get him, Michael Keaton. G- give us another Birdman. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's just not great. Danny DeVito, not great. Um, there's a small Always Sunny in Philadelphia reunion in this movie. Um, if you remember, it's not really a spoiler, but there's an older lady when uh, – Danny DeVito's characters in the office and his assistant or whatever about telling the meetings. Uh, the old lady is played by Max mom from always sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, and that was kind of hilarious to me. That was probably, that was maybe the best part of the whole movie was that small reunion. Um, yeah, all around. It wasn't great. It's very meh. Dumbo looks pretty good. I mean, I, I hope people enjoy it more than I did. Um, you know, take your kids to see it. I don't think there's anything, um, really i don't know why the people behind us felt they had to leave the movie um it's it is still very kids friendly i guess outside of you know the comment about wanting to skin dumbo's mom to make new shoes or whatever uh which isn't said directly like that i'm paraphrasing to make it a little more creepier than it was um but for a tim burton film it was very tame in that sense so yeah, um, a 50 for me, it just wasn't, you know, it is what it is. It's not something I expected to be great, but, uh, if, if you enjoy Tim Burton films, maybe go check it out. You'll probably like it more than we did. Um, yeah, that's all I really have to say about Dumbo. Um, I'm going to transition yeah. now so into excited. the beach bomb. Uh, I'm so excited. The- <laughs> I I almost walked out of the theater like three times. This movie is an hour and a half, by the way. That felt like I was sitting in that theater for three hours. <laughs> I like kept like checking my phone like halfway. Like so for reference, the theater it was in was a very small theater. Um, the same size we saw the upside in. Not nearly as packed as that. There was me and probably like seven other people, maybe just still more than I expected. Um, so like I sat in the back, like, and I was like kind of looking at my phone, like watching, you know, the checking on the Orioles game and stuff like that. Uh, this movie, it's just so bad. Um, it's a train wreck on every level. And I do not understand 
how it got made. Now, for clarification, in terms of Harmony Kareen, or I don't know how to pronounce his name, I don't really care, to be honest with you, because I'm offended by him putting this garbage into the universe. <laughs> One of his previous movies, Spring Breakers, I actually semi-enjoyed. It wasn't a great movie, uh, but I kind of enjoyed it. Um, the fact that James Franco in that film sort of played Riff Raff the rapper uh, <laughs> to an extent. Um, but this is just so bad. Um, there's a complete lack of empathy for any character, including Moondog, who is, for reference, he is a very intelligent poet who smokes pot, drinks all day, uh, bangs random women in kitchens, uh, does various other drugs, um, <laughs> and his wife in the film is played by Isla Fisher, who is a very rich woman who lives in Miami while Moondog lives in the Keys because he doesn't like people or being in big society or something like that. Um, it, it's so bad. Like I just, I'm like <laughs> losing track because of just how awful the movie is. Um, the whole premise really of this film is so Moondog, um, a stoner alcoholic poet. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it because I'm telling you folks do not watch this movie. Um, Basically, their daughter gets married and him and Isla Fisher's character, which I can't remember the name of her character right now. She's banging Snoop Dogg, who is a friend of theirs. Uh, and he doesn't, you know, Moondog doesn't care. Like, he's a free spirit, you know, out there writing poetry on the water. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and she ends up dying because they get drunk and they go drunk driving or whatever. And this weird, like, five minute long strange musical performance type thing. Like it looked like it was basically a five minute TikTok. Uh if you're unfamiliar with that oh <laughs> that app, oh. that's basically what it kind of was. Uh and you kind of get the sense and then you know she ends up passing away uh in a very dumb scene. Like they're both they both go to the hospital. He has limited injuries. Uh she's laying there it seems like she's she's going to recover like fine. She's like talking fine and they're sitting there talking. And then while they're in the middle of talking about how they love each other, like she just dies. <laughs> like <laughs> she, you just hear a flat line like, and it's really weird. And in order for Moondog to get the money, uh, he has to finalize his book. Uh, that's the will that she left. And, it's all these wacky misadventures of him trying to write this book and these adventures and stuff like that. He ends up going to rehab where he meets Zach Efron's character who is, and this is probably the high, the highest point of the movie. There is a point in there where Zach Efron's character is a, um, his dad's like a, a preacher or something like that. And he's this kid wearing these like Jenko jeans and shit like that. Uh, and, and they sit there singing higher by Creed and, and sitting there yelling about how it's Christian metal and how it's the greatest music of all time. Um, and that was probably the high point of the movie, which is sad. Um, he ends up meeting up with Martin Lawrence's character who plays a captain who goes out and shows people, uh, dolphins in the keys or something like that. It, I, 
I'm doing the best I can to describe this movie in a, to a point where people don't have to actually pay money to go see it um, because it deserves the bomb. But that's the highlight of the movie. I mean, that's that's the entire movie right there is that it's just him and these wacky adventures trying to write this book because this dude is just randomly some genius poet. None of the poetry he says in the thing are is good poetry either. Like, that's the thing that kind of kills me about it. Um, and then we have Jonah Hill, who I didn't realize was in this film. He has the most ridiculous Southern accent I've ever heard. It is awful. Uh, I do not know how Jonah Hill signed up for this. Um, I don't know why they decided to make Snoop Dogg a top tier actor. Um, Isla Fisher is not, I, I'm now convinced she's not a good actress. McConaughey is taking on bad roles. I think this is the first time Martin Lawrence has been in anything in like eight years. I think it was since like one of the big mama's house movies. I mean, it's just, I do not understand how any production company put this out into existence. I gave it a 10 (laughs) and, and that's being generous because IMDB will not let me give it zero. Um, and I do, um, you know, as one of our friends, Ben says, you know, you got to give it a score for at least, you know, making the movie. So there's the 10 points is strictly for them creating a film. Uh, and, you know, McConaughey gets to live out, you know, the role of his lifetime or whatever, being this freaking I, like, I don't know. It's so bad. Um, and it's one of those things like half the scenes in the movie are just wild sex romps and drug romps. Wolf of Wall Street is a good drug movie with a good sex and drug movie. That's a good sex and drug movie. This is not uh, a good stoner movie is, you know, Pineapple Express, like stuff Seth Rogen does really good stoner movies because they actually have a story. They have a purpose. It's entertaining. This is not like I don't think anybody in the theater enjoyed it. I heard several people walk out with me that were talking about how awful it was too. I mean, it just isn't good. And like I said, it's an hour and a half, but I swear I felt like I was in there for three hours. I don't know why I didn't get up and leave. I kept thinking, you know, well, you know, I'm here now. I drove all the way here. Um, so, I mean, I stuck around, but it, it's just, it's so bad folks. And it's bombing at the box office. Thank God. Cause I like, I can't, I mentioned this on Twitter to somebody. Um, I cannot believe the same actor who did Serenity and the Beach Bomb this year is the same guy who did Dallas Buyers Club and Interstellar. Like, I don't know. The reconnaissance is as far from dead as uh, as far dead as you can get. Like it is <laughs> 60 feet underground. Um, and I just I don't know. I thought this movie was going to be bad. I pictured probably anywhere from a 35 to a 50, but uh I mean, it legitimately made me angry watching this. Like, it's just, there's no story to it. You're just watching a dude screw and do drugs for, you know, an hour and a half. That's the whole thing. Um, And yeah, I mean, that's the beach bump. I I just, there's not a whole lot of things I can say about it, but it's just flat awful and probably the worst major motion picture I've ever seen. I don't want to say the worst movie because, you know, I could film, you know, a 20 minute thing and call it a movie. Um, but in terms of a major motion picture, it is probably the worst thing I've ever watched. And it made Serenity look d- 
decent because at least Serenity took <laughs> risks. There is zero risk in this movie. The whole story kind of sucks. Uh, the actors suck. There's people like I saw like people go, well, it was a bad movie. Like, I don't know how they did that with this cast. The cast isn't good. Like, it's big names. But like I mentioned, you know, Martin Lawrence hasn't acted in like eight years. So God knows how bad Bad Boys 3 is going to end up being. Um, Isla Fisher just isn't a good actress. Like, going through her IMDb page, like, she just, ugh, no. Uh, McConaughey, just on a really bad streak. Uh, he had two hit movies and... I guess you could count probably more if, if you saw some of his other stuff, but two good movies in my opinion and nothing after that. Snoop Dogg is a rapper and not a good actor. Um, I mean, it it's just that's that's what the movie comes down to. Uh, it's not good. Jimmy Buffett was also a star in this movie. He, again, just like Snoop Dogg, good musician. Why is he a star in this film? Because uh, he's not a good actor. Um I don't know. This I don't know how this got made. I really don't. Like I mentioned, like I sort of like Spring Breakers, and I was hoping that I would come out out of it with that feel, like, oh, this was kind of a decent time. It just wasn't. Um. So yeah, that's the Beach Bum. Ten out of a hundred. I think the combo score is twenty four. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be really hard for anything. anything. I can't believe this movie has above a fifty percent on on Rotten Tomatoes. I I'm astounded. I mean. By critics, at least. I know the user score is pretty far down, too, which I'm glad that a lot of people realize how bad this movie is. Um, I'm looking to see. I'm curious what the critics synopsis is for this movie. Dude, there's meta scores for it that are like an 83. I, I thought I was losing my mind. Like, I don't <laughs> get how these scores are this high for this film. Oh, wow. Okay, so the audience score is a 37 on Rotten Tomato. The critic consensus is the role of a lifetime for Matthew McConaughey, the beach bum, is set apart by Harmony, Harmony Corinne's distinctive style that isn't always enough to offset the unfocused story. And that is somehow at a 52%. And, and that's the thing. Like, I just, I don't get it. And I'll save my Rotten Tomato rant for another time because I think anything above a 50, like a 51 and up should be technically scored as fresh. But um, anyway... Yeah, that, I just don't get it. Like, I don't, there's no way these people saw the same movie I saw because they're right. It is unfocused and it is, you know, the role everybody has always expected McConaughey to play this free loving, you know, kind of hippie dude um, that's very carefree. Like, the way everybody thinks that he is. Um, and it's just, it's not there. The whole movie's unfocused. The shots are unfocused. The directing's unfocused. Like, it just isn't good. Like, it looks like something I feel like I could shoot probably the same movie and make 1.7 million off of a $20, you know, budget um, in comparison to whatever they ended up having for it. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it's awful. I don't recommend spending your time or money uh, watching it. I really don't. Um, if you want a, a good, you know, like I said, uh, sex and drugs movie, you know, Wolf of Wall Street. uh you know any of seth rogan's films if you're looking for a good stoner comedy nothing in this movie hit for me it wasn't funny at all uh wasn't very enjoyable um yeah that that's all i got for you guys uh anyway uh that was a great eight minute rant i love that yeah i mean i like, just and i feel like i could break it down a little bit better um outside of this like but yeah i mean that's 
it's all I got. Uh, I just I don't want to keep everybody all day for for um, <laughs> a rant about that film, but it was definitely uh, worse than Serenity by far. Because um, at least that movie uh, took risks, and this one didn't take any risk. Um, did we? Uh, before we go on to our list, did we see what the Dumbo combo score was? Uh, no, I actually uh, did not write that down. I think it was like a fifty-five uh, or something. Oh, here we go. Fifty-four point one. Okay, 54.1 for Dumbo and 24. And that's just mine because for... Brian's definitely not going to see the beach bump. Yeah, I'm, especially after your hatred yeah. of it. Um, yeah, I mean, that it is what it is. Uh, so anyway, let's get into a much better <laughs> part of the episode. Oh. Um, top 10 favorite movie scenes. Uh, and we'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, we want to send it real fast back over to another advertisement. All righty. And we're back. Top 10 favorite movie scenes. Um, and as usual, Brian, I'm going to send it right on over to you. All right. Uh, I'll stand Aaron before this. This is kind of like, I probably had to do the most research for this list because you know past list whether it's like actors a movie or stuff you got a lot of stuff coming off the top of your head or stuff but it's really hard to remember a specific scene that you loved aside for like the few that stand out um so this list took longer than i thought i had 13 and narrowed it down to 10 um i don't remember what the three were that i cut off for honorable mention so sorry uh but my number 10 on the list is from the movie field of dreams uh the game of catch when it's at near the end of the movie then and it's Kevin Costner's character and is with his dad there and it's like, Hey, I wanna play catch and it's just it's simple, but it's just such a heartwarming thing. I know my dad and my brother cry every time this happens in the movie. It's it's a good movie and it's just a nice happy scene of it that's very memorable. So that's number ten there for me. All right. As usual, I will give my honorable mentions at the top. I ended up writing down 12 when I originally did it. So the two honorable mentions for me, um, the opening scene from Pulp Fiction when Tim Roth's character and I forget the actress's name are discussing about robbing the restaurant and the benefits between that and uh, robbing liquor stores and, and various things. Great scene for the very beginning of a really good movie. Um and then my other one is the group therapy scene from uh, The Breakfast Club. Tremendous film. I know you and your brother think it's yeah. overrated because you guys have never had friends in your life. Um, that's, that's the reason right there. Yep. Yeah, that's the reason. Uh, I'm just throwing it out there. But yeah, um, probably my favorite scene from that film, but it didn't match up to these other 10. So I at least wanted to drop it into my honorable mentions. Um, but it is a very moving scene, uh, from that film, uh, with a little bit of lightheartedness, uh, lightheartedness at the end of it, that, that really, um, smooths things over. So anyway, my number 10, uh, what's in the box seven, um, iconic scene. I mean, it is, uh, and it, it always kind of makes me laugh because of the way Brad Pitt kind of says it is a little funny. Um, the way his voice comes off, uh, more in his younger years as an actor too. Um, but yeah, and I truly iconic scene in movies. And I know the first, I first time I saw seven, uh, it was 
definitely one of my favorite scenes. So um, go check that one out if you haven't seen it. I believe all of these on my list can easily be found on YouTube as well. So uh, definitely seek these out if you haven't seen them yet. All right. Uh, my number nine on the list is uh, from Saving Pirate Ryan near the beginning, the storming of the beach. Uh, it's like a eight or 10 minute scene or whatever, but it's so well shot. And it's like a big, just one shot of the you know, storming the beach. And from what I've read, it's super realistic and very well done. And it is a very memorable scene that was insane to watch and what a way to kick off a movie. So there's that. All right, number nine for my uh, number nine for me. I'm sorry, folks. Um, here's Johnny from The Shining. Uh, that entire scene is just so incredibly creepy. Um, just how well Jack Nicholson plays the character, the character of Jack Torrance, um, and coming up with the axe, uh, sitting right outside the bathroom door and quoting, you know, uh, Three Little Pigs and stuff like that. It's the first time I watched it, it was really kind of bone chilling. Um, and the whole scene in general was great. Uh, I feel like, I mean, most people have probably seen that movie and or scene, uh, before in their life. So if you haven't go check it out, uh, check out the whole movie. Cause it's one of the few Kubrick ones that I've actually enjoyed to be fair. Um, so yeah, here's Johnny, the shining number nine. All right. Uh, my number eight on the list is from a few good men. The, court scene and then the whole you can't handle the truth his speech there is just goes off for like two minutes or whatever about everything that's done and it can't handle everything that they need to protect the country and it's you watching at the end of it you're just like wow that was wow i mean it's a very good movie and that speech just is one of the most probably memorable or iconic scenes uh, from history. People always talk about that. Um, so yeah, that's my number eight on the list. All right. Number eight for me, I have no man's land from wonder woman. Um, the scene in, in general is just great, but I mean, there's a lot of underlying tones. The movie kind of came out towards the beginning of the whole me too movement and stuff. And the whole idea that this character, uh, this female character was kind of, this you know superhero uh brought to life um and especially in the middle of like world war one or two or whenever this took place um it is incredible uh it's a really good scene overall it give it gave me chills in the theater when i watched it and and gave me chills again when i rewatched it yesterday when formulating Ooh. this list um tremendous film overall great scene uh definitely the best scene that any in the dc universe so uh yeah no man's land from wonder woman is number eight for me all right uh number seven for me is from fight club the ending where they're it's all coming together their their plan was pulled off they're successful and destruction is happening everywhere and then you start to realize that there really wasn't two characters it was all in his mind it was all in his head and it's just like mind-blowing and if it's i mean like the first time i watched it like i heard heard something about it but i really wasn't sure what they were talking about and then when i watched it i was just the way it's pulled off and it's it, i mean it's a great movie i mean it's if you haven't seen fight club you need to go see it so there's number seven on my list all right number seven for me and i could probably pull like a 100 scenes from this film um but this one's sort of my favorite and it it 
probably not as famous as the interrogation scene, but the party scene from the dark Knight. um, we really get uh, a great glimpse at how unhinged Heath letter, Heath Ledger's Joker is in this scene. Um, as he's kind of going around to random party goers, um, stopping the party and then up to, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Um, and then finally, you know, uh, you know, Christian Bale, Bruce Wayne, uh, goes back, gets his suit and then finally attacks. Um, so I mean, that's in that movie, that's probably my favorite just because we see how unhinged he is, uh, just with random human beings. Um, so yeah, the party scene from the dark Knight is number seven for me. All right. Uh, number six for me is from the first Avengers film. Um, the, the battle in New York when they just, the Avengers assemble and they have that shot. That's a circling shot of all of them. there for preparing for battle. And it's gives you chills. First time I see it. Cause it's the first time they're all like, yeah, they've been in the movie all together, but they like, they've come together and they're fighting all like back to back. And it's just, Oh, and it has the Avengers theme playing in the background. And uh, it just gives you chills. Uh, so that's my number six. All right, number six for me, and I've talked about. I feel like I've talked about this movie almost every podcast, but the uh, gas station coin toss scene from No Country for Old Men. Um, it is. Uh, I keep saying chilling, but like in general, just how unnerving Anton Chigurh is, um, in this scene, and, and kind of putting yourself in the role of the gas station attendant guy who doesn't know why he's flipping a coin um and you just have this dude staring you down with a calm yet distinctively sinister voice um telling you to flip the coin and that everything rides on it and just having no idea that the that you know you're uh, heads or tails away from you know getting blown away by uh whatever weaponry anton sugar decides to have um great scene from that film so yeah gas station coin toss number six for me all right, number five for me is one you mentioned a little bit ago, uh, the No Man's Land scene from Wonder Woman. Won't say much else because you talked about it, but I mean, best scene in the movie and of DC. It's great scene within the movie, and there's a lot of underlying stuff to it, and it's it's just awesome to watch. So that's number five for me. All right, number five for me, I have the ending for The Usual Suspects, uh, one of the greatest twist endings I've ever seen in a movie, uh, and also widely regarded as one. Um, the whole, you know, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Um, quote, uh, and watching the detective as he pieces together everything uh, as uh, Kevin Spacey's character is walking out uh, faking his limp, uh, and then finally getting away. Um, it's incredible. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, go check it out. Um, I don't really care about spoiling the ending cause it's been out for two decades or so. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, that's on you. Uh, but yeah, the ending for the usual suspects, just because of how awesome of a twist it was. All right. Um, yeah, number, number four on my list is from Sawshank Redemption, uh, Andy's escape, you know, the whole film's been building up to it, and there's the narration about how he's climbing through the, the crap-filled sewers and stuff, and he comes out and into the into the rain, and it's a very satisfying. Just you know, the it's not the end. There's still like you know, 15, 20 minutes left in the movie, but it's it's built up to this the entire way, and it's 
it's finally here and it's at its point and there's just a lot of meaning behind it and it's very well done you know Shawshank's considered one of the greatest movies of all time and this is the greatest scene from it so number four all right number four for me uh no I am your father from Star Wars um I mean it's one of the most iconic lines in history even though everybody misquotes it uh and also another one of the greatest twists um in cinematic history um so had to have it on the list um i mean everybody's seen it i I don't really need to go into (laughs) too much detail about it yeah all right uh number three on my list is from the departed the elevator scene near the end of the movie I mean, that, that movie the entire time is, like, on edge of your seat. Like, it holds you and grabs your attention the whole time. And this, when Leonardo DiCaprio character is trying to, uh, I'm forgetting the character's names, but then he's trying to arrest uh, Matt Damon's character. And they're then, they got, he gets them on the rooftop, and then he's bringing them down to the elevator. And when they reach the bottom floor, bang. And Leo DiCaprio character is shot and killed just out of nowhere, catching caught me totally off guard when i first saw it it's out of the blue and it's right on par with the rest of the movie i mean it's a fantastic movie if you haven't seen it i mean yeah that's number three for me there all right number three for me and what won our award for this category last year uh thor arrives on wakanda uh avengers infinity war uh i there's not a whole lot to say about it man it's such an awesome um scene you know, my favorite uh, Marvel character um, arriving as this huge, powerful character with Stormbreaker and uh, Groot and Rocket and all them. It's awesome. Uh, the whole scene is just it's it gives you goosebumps. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Um, so, yeah, that comes in number three for me. I 100% agree because that's my number two on the list, Thor's entrance in Infinity War. I mean, like you said, it's just iconic, gives you chills, and it's with the Avengers theme in the background and all of his his powers unhinged, and it's it's spectacular. It's one of my favorite. It's my favorite Marvel scene, and obviously it's number two here on the list. So, All right, number two for me, The Sunken Place from Get Out. Um, it's... I I don't I don't know I need a thesaurus or something to get new words, um, but the whole idea and then re like reading some of Jordan Peele's talking about it and stuff about how like one of his biggest fears is that you know being essentially paralyzed in your own body and watching through your eyes at, at, like in a window state um, and not having any control over yourself. I mean, just the thought of that. Um, it is just very uh, harrowing um, and just, uh, I don't know. It's such a, I don't even know the word. I am literally losing words. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an incredible scene. It's so tense as it goes along, as you watch um, Daniel Kaluuya's character kind of fall into that state as uh, the tea gets stirred and stuff like that. It's, I don't know. If you haven't seen Get Out yet, definitely check it out. I mean, that scene in general is just super frightening uh, for all the reasons that Jordan Peele talked about. I mean, just imagine yourself being in that state where, you know, you can only see what's happening and you have zero idea of how to control anything. Um, So, yeah, The Sunken Place, Get Out, number two for me. 
All right, and uh, number one on top of the list for me is the Battle of Helm's Deep from Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. It's an epic kind of 15, 20 minute battle scene uh, in the movie that there's so much going on. And it's on such a huge, large scale. I mean, it's so well done. And you have then later within the battle, Gandalf's entrance into it when you think that they're about to be overrun by the orcs. And it's just, it's amazing. I love it. I mean, said this before love the trilogy it's that's just i mean that's the best battle and love love that scene it's great so that's my number one wow i'm a little surprised that you didn't have uh no i am your father on on the list but um anyway number one for me and this was this was actually the easiest part of the list because I knew writing it down that this had to be number one. Uh, no doubt about it. It is easily my favorite movie scene of all time. Ezekiel 2517 from Pulp uh, Fiction. Yeah. Um, when, you know, Samuel L. Jackson's in the, in the apartment yelling at the guys, uh, you know, quoting scriptures and eating hamburgers and shit and just blowing people away. I mean, it is peak Samuel L. Jackson. It's just one of my favorite scenes from one of my favorite movies of all time. Everybody I feel has seen the scene, has heard the quotes. Um, it's tremendous. Uh, if you haven't, I mean, even if you have, go rewatch rewatch the scene. I rewatched it twice yesterday just because I forgot how you kind of forget how just how amazing that scene is. Um, so yeah, that was easily number one for me. Uh, the easiest part of the list somehow. Um, so yeah, that's that's number one for me, Ezekiel twenty five seventeen Pulp Fiction. Um, anyway, so that's our top ten for the week, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening, Brian. You got anything you want to say to everybody before we head out? Uh, no, not really. Uh, we're off next week because you're at WrestleMania, right? That is true. I am at WrestleMania. I will be seeing uh, the greatest character actor alive today, Dave Bautista <laughs> wrestle. Super uh, stoked for that. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, we'll be off next week. Uh, I posted on the Facebook and Twitter accounts um, our upcoming schedule. Um, since we will be backlogged, we'll be doing Shazam and Hellboy when we come back on uh, April the 15th. Uh, the 22nd, we'll be doing Missing Link. And then the week after that, April 29th, our episode will be Avengers Endgame. And holy crap. I mean, we're in for some good movies this month, I hope. Uh, at least one good movie. We'll see about the other three. Um Super stoked for that. Um, so you can look forward to that stuff. Um, as you mentioned, we're off next week. Uh, I'll be on vacation. Uh, and yeah, uh, that's everything I got for you guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Find us on Twitter at roll underscore credits pod on Facebook at roll the credits podcast. Um, give us a like subscribe, five star reviews. Tell your friends about us. Uh, yeah, I'm ready to go i'm ready to go on vacation i need some time away from work for sure um and time away from this job this secondary job of watching movies all the damn time oh yeah so hard the beach bomb when you guys sit through an hour and a half fucking movie like the beach bomb it is hard um you should go check it out while i'm gone brian nope and and let me know your why it's free uh, I'm on call this week while you're gone, so I, I won't be able to go to the movie. Well, it's only all. an hour and a half. What are the odds that you'll, you know, get a call in that hour and a half? Uh, 
depends. Take the phone call in the take the phone call while you're watching the movie. There's probably not going to be anybody in there. Uh, fair, fair. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we'll be back in two weeks, everybody. Um, and have a great two weeks, everybody else except Brian. Brian. Wow. <laughs> All right. See you, everyone. <laughs>